In the history of motion pictures, only a select few performers have become immortalized by the roles they have portrayed. Consider the vamp, the champ, the tramp. And now the most perfect casting of all, Steve Martin, the jerk. It was never easy for me. I was born a poor black child. turned out to be an epic two-part episode, but we will uh, count this as its own episode. Uh, there's a certain magic traipsing uh, astride two continents here. I am Mike McPadden. This is 70 movies we saw in the 70s, and uh, I am the author of Teen Movie Hell and Heavy Metal Movies, and I'm also uh, the co-host of a podcast called Busted Guts, and uh, my regular uh, co-host on 70 movies is... Ben Reiser. Um, uh, I work at the University of Wisconsin-Madison with some film exhibition programs, which are currently on hold during the plague times, although we are doing some um, online screenings. Uh, You can read about us at uh, at cinema.wisc.edu. I'm also, I want to, I know we're going to, we got to introduce, reintroduce Kat, but I wanted to share this little anecdote before we went any further. I'm also the father of... Two children. Um, no, I'm not telling my adoption story. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, but I have a 19-year-old daughter, Lily, um, who has never met my co-host, uh, Mike McPadden. Um, but she will, hopefully, sooner or later, yeah. uh, if, we, if we're able to socially distance but still get together sometime this summer before she goes back to school, theoretically, in the fall. Um but uh, we were we had some tentative plans, uh, the McPaddens and the Risers, to hook up at a drive-in movie theater this weekend, which we've uh, we've decided not to do for for health reasons and for weather-related reasons, and because uh, you know nobody's nobody goes out of their house anymore anyway. But <laughs> I, I pitched the idea to my kids. We were gonna gonna go see a double feature of American Graffiti and um, Animal House. Um, but my wife told me <laughs> the following anecdote, which is that Lily came up to her yesterday and she sort of said kind of quietly to her while I wasn't around, she said, hey, mom, what if it turns out that that guy, Mike McFadden, is uh, is catfishing dad? <laughs> no. Catfishing. Yeah. And, 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 and she's heard our podcast, so she knows that we've actually right. had conversations yeah. and seen each other. But anyway, that's my anecdote for today. Now, who's, who's our I special guest? I'm on the up and up. <laughs> McFadden is the common name, by the way. Yeah. So, McFadden didn't, is. Uh, uh, didn't Gilbert call you McFadden on one podcast? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then never anything ever again, right. anytime he's ever seen me or met me. <laughs> So, uh, oh, and then uh, joining us from England. Yes. <laughs> God. I didn't introduce myself last time. Oh, I got all kind of flustered because, you know, I didn't even say what I do or anything. But obviously I co-host with Mike Busted Guts and I'm the editor-in-chief of Diabolique magazine and do commentaries and other film-related 
crap everywhere. <laughs> oh, now you're at the crap. Can I just read my, my social media bio? Because I hate doing Please. that thing where you have to be all serious and go, you know, I do this. So my my official biography is uneducated rabble, foul mouth snatten, every mother's worst nightmare, an hysterical feminist. Perfect. So, yeah. Ticks off the four boxes that make us love you the most. God, wouldn't it be great if you were catfishing me? That would be the best thing. <laughs> Mike I'm, McFadden. Wasn't McFadden, right. wasn't there a McFadden in that Westlife group? I don't know. There was McFadden and Whitehead were, uh, <laughs> they sang Ain't No Stop on Us Now. They were a funk duo. Um... So, oh, we're here to talk about Carl Reiner, who we recently lost, the comedic genius. And uh, last uh, week in episode, we uh, talked about Where's Papa, which is how Carl kicked off the 1970s. And now we're going to talk about, you know, his most famous and most familiar film, which ended the 1970s, The Jerk with Steve Martin. And, um, you know, a comedy favorite worldwide and... Uh, no, a movie I did not see in the seventies. Did you, Ben? I hope. Oh you did. yeah, I saw this opening weekend. I um, but I I didn't I didn't come to it. Of course, as a Carl Reiner. I mean, I was a Carl Reiner. Right. I knew who Carl Reiner was. You know, sure. I watched the Dick Van Dyke show as a kid. Did you, Mike? On you know on syndication all the yeah. time. Channel Eleven. Yeah. Um, all the time. Although I never really registered. Carl, the Carl Reiner in that show as being the Carl Reiner. I don't think I. I don't think when I saw the jerk. I had put it together, and I don't think right. that I had seen Where's Papa yet, or at all. Only you're saying right. it was on Wemeka Home Theater at the end of the '70s, right? So, Where's Papa? Yeah, do we yeah. know? Did Where's Papa ever have like a, a network primetime broadcast t- TV My debut? My guess is no. Yeah. I would guess that it has never played commercial television. Yeah, in that sense. Yeah, although it's probably on like those weird movies. Channels now, one now thing stuff, I did but. just to tidy up last episode. One thing I didn't really do much research on, but discovered was a thing was that they did a a where's a where's Papa TV movie that was like a pilot for oh, a TV show. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot to talk about. Directed it. <laughs> by Rich. Directed oh, by Richard Benjamin. Richard Benjamin. Okay, so uh, yes, I saw the Where's Papa pilot. It was a half hour pilot. Uh, okay, it wasn't a ABC. movie. It was a it was a half an hour. No, okay. no, I saw that mislabeled in the uh, on IMDb or wherever it was, uh, and it was essentially just a remake of. It was a condensed version of the movie, minus everything that made the movie funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh dear. But they burned it off. I don't know if you remember this. So the pilot episodes, uh, the networks would burn them off in the summertime, and mm-hmm. I used to love watching those. Yeah. And I'm actually going to talk about a different one when we get to Jackie Mason in a little okay. bit. But I saw the Where's Papa, and it was the same summer I had seen the movie, so it was freaking wild. Do you know so. if it's it's not? That's another thing that's probably not on YouTube, right? I couldn't find okay. it, but you know, we can continue to dig. Okay, but what I was saying was I came to the jerk as as a Steve Martin fan, which I, I'm assuming is what ninety nine percent of people. But yeah. I first got turned on to Steve Martin because I think my friend Steve meant had this album and then I got my own copy of it of Let's Get Small. Let's Get Small? Yeah. yeah. Which uh you know, I was not a big stand-up comedy fan in my, you know, in my in my when I was 9 or 10 or 11, but I but I right. and I and honestly, I have to say that's probably the only comedy album that I owned. What else might oh, wow. I have had? 
uh, reality. What a concept. The Robin Williams record. No. Uh-uh. The Richard Pryor had a ton of records. No, no, uh, no, no, no. no. Uh, no, no, I had I had Steve Martin, and the thing I remember, uh, let's get small, which I think that that had did that have King Tut on it, or that was a separate thing. That was later. That was uh, Wild and Crazy Guy. Okay, the thing the thing I remember about Let's Get Small was he had this joke about S and M that he thought it meant Spaniards and Mexicans, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I thought it was a great joke, but I didn't know what S and M meant either, and and. Right. <laughs> And I listen. I meant so. to listen to that album this week, but I didn't. But I feel like the last time I checked out any of it, I was like, what was funny about any of this? It, you know, I, I have watched, I did watch a bunch of Steve Martin stuff this week. Uh, some Johnny Carson appearances, which I thought were funny, and some of his Saturday Night Live stuff. But but the, I think the last time I listened to Get Small, I was like, man, what was I amused by? Or what was the country amused by? What was the world amused by back then? Maybe it was more visual. Well, he was, you know... It was an anti-comedy thing that nobody had ever like seen before. You know, Andy Kaufman being the most aggressive version of right. it. But he was playing a character who was just out of touch. And the audience could pick up and understand that. And my first exposure to him was doing the Let's Get Small routine on Saturday Night Live. And I like I couldn't believe anything could be this right. funny. Yes. Like, I was dying. I was obsessed with comedy, obsessed with SNL. And then he became essentially the host of hosts of SNL. It was like the country shut down when he would host. Right. And um, so I was completely obsessed with him. And that is what made it such a tragedy, as it would a year later with Up the Academy, when it came out and the jerk was rated R and I wasn't allowed to see it. <laughs> so it's really interesting you say that, because... It's Steve Martin and Robin Williams, both of these in Britain. Right. My introduction to Robin Williams was Mork and Mindy. Sure. Which I loved as a kid. And my, sure. introduce, my introduction to Steve Martin was either The Jerk or The Man With Two Brains, which I almost saw in the 70s. So I feel like a bit of a... I almost saw it in the 70s, probably around 81... And my dad, I think we just got a VCR player. So my right. dad was renting out. I remember the first film he ever rented was like um, Airplane, I think, was one of the oh, first ones. Cool. Um, and so Steve Martin didn't have that cultural thing. Oh, really? I always wow. and And Robin Williams was a TV star and sure. Steve Martin was a movie star. Hmm. And right. I and it was only later on I discovered they'd both come out of stand up and they had this huge cultural presence in America that they just didn't have here. But I know the man with two brains in particular did quite well here. Um I don't know, the British just really kind of appreciate that sort of irrelevant Yeah, I think it was kind of a sort flop of here, but I've always heard it was a huge uh, yeah, England. so he sort of became an instant star here. He didn't have because we didn't really see any of his stand up or anything, and we didn't get Saturday Night Live, and you know we didn't have access to that. So he was just like a film star to me. And it was years later that I found out he'd actually been a comedian, and wow. you know had this yeah. huge career. And Robin Williams as well. Like I just thought Robin Williams was like a children's TV star. Yeah, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid. Right. And then seeing him do stand-up was weird. I thought, this is just weird, because, you know, they it was almost like they were just... came from a completely different place. So hearing you two guys discuss that is 
really interesting to me because it didn't have you know when i first saw these films i didn't know steve martin was right i had no context and it's like who is this guy he's so crazy and out of control this is amazing like right. whereas i guess when it came out in the states there's a big you oh, know, yeah. people he, used to steve there was a, martin there was a momentum there was a, building from yeah. the albums and from Saturday Night he, he was a national yeah, he was a yeah, he was a huge national presence for I want to say four years before this movie got released right yeah yeah I would say probably yeah probably at least three seventy six seventy yeah and yeah no he but he could he was the first comedian to sell out like Madison Square Garden and he was a rock star sized comedian stand up comic and a lot of um, it was 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 stemmed from King Tut right. I mean, there was a lot well, of stuff. Well, that was sort of a peak. King yeah. Tut was what yeah. year? 78. Okay. So everybody says this is the peak episode of Saturday Night Live was when he hosted in 1978. Um, the Blues Brothers were the opening sketch. And then he See, did See, that his, was another one that right. came to me as a fully formed right. <laughs> movie thing. The Blues Brothers. And then he did uh, King Tut, which was the most money NBC had ever spent on a comedy sketch in its history. And it became a huge hit song. And and then that eventually led a year later to The Jerk and me not being allowed to see Why it. was it so expensive? Because of the costumes? Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen? Do you, I think like, I've yeah, seen it, yeah. yeah. no, yeah. it's... Cr- it's a huge Egyptian set. Everybody has costumes. There's people popping up out of our sarcophagi and things like that. So they just decided to go for it. Why, Mike? On that one. Why is the jerk rated yes. R? Uh, for the life of me, I can't figure out. Which is much like up the academy, because that was, like was just for a couple of curse words. I think that's the same thing in this case. There was no reason for this to be rated R. There's no nudity. There's no violence. I mean, there's. But there's. I mean, they don't even say fuck. I don't think. I don't yeah. think so. No. It's purely just wow. sort of like um, in the air. It's like they know this isn't for kids or something. And I'll never forget seeing the poster at the. Remember that comic book store on Flatbush Avenue? Used to go buy old Mad magazines yeah. there, and uh, they had the poster on the front door. And I was like, yes! So, I mean, at Steve Martin, he's got like, he's holding like a dog and a paddle ball. And the, and then I saw the rated R and I was like, God damn it. He's got his pants around. He's, it's, it's from the end of the movie where he's yeah, got yeah. his pants around his ankles. Right, right, he's got a yeah. chair hooked into yes. his arm. And it, yeah. 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 And at the time, uh, my parents were very angry at Steve Martin because he had... Uh, played the Pope on Saturday Night Live. And, uh, <laughs> we had gone to see the Pope not long before that uh, at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I wish I had seen Steve Martin at Madison Square Garden. But uh, And then my mother, I remember, was trying to, like, she was, like, rubbing it into me how bad the reviews of The Jerk were, how terrible <laughs> the clips were. And then years later, she's like, oh, that movie's brilliant, and, you know, she loves Steve Martin, and... But uh, she was, I don't know, maybe that was some kind of weird how is, attempt at caring for how me. How is she doing with Sinead O'Connor at this point? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> a good question. But um, but then by the following summer, um, when the book Cruel Shoes came out, uh, they did surprise me, my parents, with tickets to go see him at the uh, Garden State Oh, Arts my God, Center. you saw him live. I saw him wow, live, yeah. we. and he did the he did the Mexican he did the Mexican cat juggling bit on stage with a couple of live cats and a little sleight of hand. They had the rubber cats, and it was hilarious. So, as we see in the jerk, 
and uh, I got a copy of Cruel Shoes, which was terrible, but I wouldn't admit it. But those are his book of like nonsense stories. I think but yeah, the thing, got the so same I, life. When I posted about Carl Reiner the other day, and I said the jerk, the man with two brains, and right. dead men weren't done where played were like really important to me as a kid, and somebody's like, oh, and then Steve Martin wasn't funny anymore, and you know we had this. Um, comedian here who used to do like a fake journalist called Dennis Pennis <laughs> and uh, he would go up and he would interview A-listers like Madonna or someone, you know, a press junkie. Sure. And the Steve Martin one was, why why aren't you funny anymore? And, you know, it's like the big thing, isn't it? You know, he went really Hollywood and then he wasn't funny. But I think Carl Reiner was the only director who knew how to get the best out of him. And there are some films he made after, like Planes, Trains and Automobiles is amazing, but he's very subdued in that, right. obviously. I hate that and movie. I really <laughs> Love the lonely guy. You hate it. I really love really? it. But it's it's not. It hasn't got that anarchy of Steve Martin. He plays it totally down no, the line, yeah, he, doesn't he? He was, uh, he was no longer that stand-up character, which was yeah. the guy that was just out of touch with reality and naive dirty and confident rotten, at the same time. Dirty rotten scoundrels probably gets the closest oh, yeah, to yeah. the, yeah. you know, where he's Ruprick and you know that <laughs> one's really good. And there were, like, occasional moments here and there, like even that Father of the Bride, which is just dire. There's one scene in that where he goes in to buy these hot dog rolls and starts splitting the pack. Oh, yes, yeah. That he becomes Steve Martin. But So I don't think it was ever that he stopped being funny. I just think directors didn't know how to, you know, give him the freedom or the space or whatever or just get the best out of him. Whereas the films that he did with Reiner, you just get pure, unadulterated Steve Martin and that's why they're so funny. And then... I, I want to pitch this theory. Yeah, no, I just... I want to pitch a theory to you, Kat and Mike, that I just came up with on the spot. Um, that Steve Martin, in, in these early Carl Reiner films, and, and, and I want to say that I think The Jerk is the purest expression of Steve Martin that we ever get on film. Yes. Uh, and I, I agree. Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, and especially Man With Two Brains, I think, is a very funny film. Um, and I think that Great. that Steve yeah. Martin, off and on, did occasional good work in films. But but I think that the thing that happened with Steve Martin was that he's at his funniest, and his most pure comedic character is that is the, is his jerk character, his completely naive, clueless, right. yeah. and yet sort of like lovable and goofy and very funny. But the key quality is the naive quality and then when they start when he started to try to branch out when people tried to use him as a more sophisticated character even carl reiner because i rewatched all of me a film that i don't remember liking very much at the time and i liked even less watching this week where he plays a lawyer i think like three quarters of the fun of steve martin is gone you know we still get some some okay physical comedy but it's in the service of this character which doesn't play to Steve Martin's comedic strengths. Like, I don't need to see a sophisticated Steve Martin. I don't need to see a sort of a straight-laced Steve Martin. And to me, it's almost the opposite of what happened with John Candy, who really excelled on SCTV playing these sort of nasty, uh, sarcastic, (laughs) vicious, 
bullyish character, bullying characters. And then when he got onto the big screen, everyone thought, oh, he's a big fat guy. We need to make him lovable and warm hearted and kind. And so he was never funny for me in movies because they, 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 they took that key strength of his comedic character and tossed it out the window for something else. There you go. I just came up with that. Steve Martin and John Candy. I like John Candy films, so I can't agree with the last bit. But then I didn't again. John Candy came to me through cinema. Right. So. Yeah, now SCTV to me is something that. It doesn't even translate in America anymore. (laughs) Um, Like, young people cannot understand what's going on in that show. And uh, it's the most. It's my favorite TV show of all time. I mean, to me, it's a peak of comedy in my lifetime. And uh, yeah, he played Harry, the guy with the steak on his face, who was a pornographer. Johnny Johnny LaRue, who was just sort of a desperate hanger on, always just an opportunist. And And that uh, will. Johnny LaRue will always be the key character for me for yes. John Candy. Yeah. And then even Dr. Tongue, who was a parody of Vincent Price, is a vicious, nasty guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I agree about the the uh, Steve Martin, though, because when you think Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, the funniest parts of Steve Martin are when he's playing Ruprick, you know, the, the yeah. sort of mentally challenged right. uh, brother. And he's doing the jerk. He's being the jerk when sure, he's clapping yeah. his hands. They go, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> that is the funniest part of the film. Not when he's, you know, doing these cons and stuff. Yeah, it's stuff, when yeah. he, it's, you know, it's that bit, you know, when he's stabbing things in his right. leg and he's, you know, he's the jerk again. So right. I totally agree with that. I think a lot of directors were probably scared to let him just go though because he could really just like, I mean Carl Reiner just let him go didn't he and they came yeah. up with this film which is just incredible there's nothing like even the man with two brains is like a watered down version of it sure. and I love I love that film so much but you know he has sensible moments in that and he's not yeah this is like pure and a an adulterated silliness and it's one well two things it's also interesting to note that he stopped doing stand-up which is where the surrealism yeah. and the absurdity came uh in like 1980 81 yeah mike i know you're a rebel wilson fan Big have time. you seen have the you biggest, seen yes. her version of dirty I, I have seen the hustle yes yeah i have yes <laughs> she's wonderful yeah but what about the movie <laughs> She's I looked wonderful. at that and I was just like, mm. "Yeah, she's wonderful." I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that it was a remake until I was ten minutes into yeah. it, and I was like, "Oh wait, this is fucking Dirty Rod Scoundrels," which of course itself is a remake of Bedtime Story. Although I still feel out right. of the three of them, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels the the uh, the winner. The funniest, yes. yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing yeah. I wanted to say about Steve Martin was the 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 uh, where I had to leave him for dead was when he. Uh, started remaking Pink Panther movies. Um, oh, which, yeah, see that that yeah. is the, that they made me angry. Yeah, and I yeah. just I love I grew up on the originals anyway. Sure, so, yeah. but I was actually interested to see those because I thought this could be Steve Martin's comeback. Yeah. 
and for me, I wouldn't. Wa- I couldn't watch well, a second of them. I only yeah. watched. Yeah, I, wa- I watched. Tried to watch the first one. I think we rented it, and it was just like it made me angry. I thought Steve, a film with Steve Martin, has actually made me angry. Yeah, the Pink Panther yeah. movies are like it, sacred comedy scrolls for me. Like they're like yeah. Sick. Which yeah. actually, I don't know if we can mention the name of the film that you two did a commentary track for recently, but you recently did a commentary track with a movie that has Graham Stark in it, but I don't think you mentioned uh, what an amazing presence he is in all those Pink Panther movies. He's in like four, I think he's in Shot in the Dark through like the last real one that they made. Um, Right. yeah, I was too fixated on him being the butler in the outer man. <laughs> right, right, which is true. But, but every time I see Graham Stark, I think Pink Panther. Yeah, we can't we can't say that name okay. yet. So. Yeah. But we will, yes. All right. Eventually. So, uh, The Jerk. So let's talk <laughs> yeah. about The Jerk. So. <laughs> now we've discussed everything that Steve yeah. Martin did that yeah. was wrong. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a couple of notes here. Uh Reportedly grossed $100 million worldwide against a budget of $4 million. Stanley Kubrick, said to be a huge fan, invited Steve to play chess with him. And, uh, yeah, I mean... And was going to have him in what Eyes Wide Shut, which would have been a much better film than the one with Tom Cruise in looking, like, <laughs> looking furtive. I hate that film. I did Sorry. not know that. You know, I had no yeah. idea. it makes wow. sense for Kubrick, though, because there is, if you squint really hard, you can sort of see some... Barry Lyndon in the sort of structure of the jerk. Uh, it's got that sort of like through line. Um, All right, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Kubrick anyway. Okay. I mean, I like some of his films. I find him quite cold as a director, though. Right. But Eyes Wide Shut just made me insane. And the fact that I've mentioned this on my own podcast, Daughters of Darkness, and I actually had people emailing me going, I can't believe you don't like Stanley Kubrick. Because uh, I said, you know, Tom Cruise sort of looking right. furtive. Is, I hate Tom Cruise anyway. <laughs> I, uh, and, um, I might I have liked Kubrick. it with Steve Martin in it. Yeah, I love <laughs> Kubrick, but I will say, I always thought Eyes Wide Shut was a movie with a hole in the center of it. And it's Tom Cruise. It's, it's Tom Cruise. It's yeah. just, yeah. He's, I can't stand him anyway, but in that film, he's particularly... Um, and I just... Steve Martin, though, I wonder... Yeah. What was the thinking? You know, oh, I'm going to make this film about sex clubs or right. whatever. Let's have Steve Martin in it. Like, well, and then, you know, uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short forever were attempting to make a movie with David Lynch called One Saliva Bubble. That I've never See, seen I don't like for. David Lynch either. Ah. <laughs> but I would have liked a David Lynch film if Where's Steve Martin had played the jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. This is the second podcast. No, I like in some of his stuff. What was the other thing that where you had to show your your uh, Eraserhead podcast? Uh, we interviewed uh, Paul oh, yes. Fishbein from the Cult Movies <laughs> documentary. He said, I've never made it to Eraserhead. <laughs> so I had to show him my tattoo. I actually love Eraserhead. I Me just, too. Yeah. yeah, I have issues with some of the some I, I don't of the like the 90s stuff, stuff up I, then uh, I love uh, Mulholland Drive like I hate he Wild at Heart and yeah and he lost me lost on Highway. Twin Peaks as well which I invested so much time in and that ending I was just like and now suddenly it's become this amazing thing and there's all these people who weren't forced to sit through it the first time going well, oh it's I mean, amazing it's, it's, what, what baffles me is that the, the millennials have gra- just taken Twin Peaks as their own started and it's like, him off now <laughs> But it's like, what the fuck, yeah, man? Way, it's like nothing like, could be like more white, it. more male, more objectifying of women, more uh, 
sexually violent fetishizing and uh, those woke youngsters can't get enough for some reason but I just it was huge here in the UK when it first aired must have been the end of the 80s maybe everyone was watching it it was so 1990 we were, we, we, I mean I love yeah. that first season and I think we probably yeah. got it about the same time as you guys did, which was a rarity. So it was a bit exciting, you know. And um, and I, and I and I got through the sort of season one, and then it just carried, it just it just went up its own asshole. So to <laughs> yeah, see yes. it come back in the last couple of years with all these people that didn't, you know, were probably about five when it was right. first aired, saying, "Oh, it was this incredible thing," and you know, right. there's like a fifty-five. This set be Blu-ray of it now, and everyone's uh, like, I fucking and I just hated. It was, I just thought it was. It didn't mean anything. It was like I got to the end, and right. I was furious with yeah. the last episode. Well, did you try to watch that revival a couple of years ago? No, I didn't even go near it because I, I was just burned. I love it. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> Twin Peaks: oh. The Return. It's the best. <laughs> All right. So we yeah. were talking about the jerk at some point. <laughs> but I, I would totally have seen a, a David Lynch with Steve Martin being surreal Steve yeah. Martin, though. I would have watched that. Yeah. No, this was going to be the follow-up to Blue Velvet. It never happened. Mike, so. did you take... See, I love Blue Velvet, and I love The Elephant Man as well. So. Same here. Did you take note of the movie that's showing at the beginning of The Jerk that he's camped out outside of? I didn't. No. Death I Trap. Oh, yeah. Death Trap? But that didn't come out till 82. Huh. Well, maybe so it it's supposed to be... Trap. Maybe it's supposed to be the show. Maybe it's not yeah, a movie the theater. Play, it's yeah. an actual play, like a, right. a Los Angeles... Yeah, well, it was a Broadway show, so it was probably out the L.A. Yeah, version at that point. So, uh, so the jerk, I mean, what are we going to say? Um the story of Navin Johnson. Much of the details were based on a lot of his stand-up comedy routines. He did a routine about being a poor black sharecropper's son, uh, which contained a line I had my cock shortened. <laughs> his, um, and, uh, his opening monologue struck me, you know, when he's talking to the camera, talking to the audience, and he says, I used yeah. to have money and power and a girl who loved me. Now I only have two things. Didn't that remind you a little bit yeah. of the, uh, we're talking Howard Stern Show stuff now, the Baba Booey love tape, like that was like the, I had a friend, I had a lover and you had two lovers. And, um, That's right. <laughs> yes. Yes. But that, uh, so, um, yeah, it's like this, it starts, it's this whole movie, it's like, it's like a bunch of like what start as non sequiturs and then turn out to be actual plot points that then sort of get brought to life. Right. It's interesting. Like every time you think something's a throwaway, it, 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 it either turns into a running gag or there's at least a callback to it later on and it keeps going like that but it's but it really it really reminded me how influential Steve Martin was with that whole school of comedians like Stephen Wright and Mitch Hedberg yeah. who did those like weird non sequitur like one liners just those like one liners yeah. that yeah came out of like outer space yeah. it's almost like Mad Libs it's almost like sure. Steve Martin like started filling out a Mad Libs thing and then turned that into a movie and somehow made it work. Yeah. Did you have Mad Libs, Kat? No. Okay. So they were like, they would have, they would be like a story with words missing and it would say adjectives. So it was like, yesterday I went to an adjective farm. 
and you'd write like shitty farm or, or you know or you know purple <laughs> farm so. and you would like you'd sit with a group of friends and you'd say give me I need an right. adjective I need a proper noun you wouldn't read the right. story to them you'd just ask them to fill in right. these just blanks. throw the words in there yeah. so then they throw in all these adjectives and stuff and then you'd read the story and it was hilarious because it was all these crazy because yes. <laughs> it made no sense <laughs> then I went to my mom's yeah, house in my brand new house. banana peel you know that kind of shit yeah that's exactly it yeah. And that yeah, sounds there's a like lot a very, a very about, American thing. Yeah, picking out a thermos for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so David Johnson goes out in the world and thus begins the hero's journey. And uh, he's hitchhiking. He... Uh, what can we, you know, we, should we get right to the Jackie Mason at the gas station? <laughs> well, I just want to say, before we do, like, I think it's interesting to look at the difference in the style and the content of, between Where's Papa, like the whole overall tone to it between that and this. And and I think, you know, you have to attribute some of the differences to the fact that this is a Steve Martin vehicle. But I think it's sure. also like you've had this whole decade worth of movie comedies that Carl Reiner is now reacting to and sort of trying to jump on the bandwagon of, again, you talked about in the first episode of the possibility of there being this sort of competition between him and Mel Brooks. Well, after Where's Papa, Carl Reiner takes a seat and then Mel, Mel Brooks jumps into the driver's seat and, you know, controls Hollywood comedies for the next eight years, you know? Yeah. We get um, Blazing Saddles and... and um, Young Frankenstein and High Anxiety and uh, am I missing one silent of the big movie. silent movie? Thank you. I always forget about silent movie, um, which was my favorite one when I was a kid. Well, I like Young Frankenstein the best, but, but I, I did love silent movie. I think all the differences in style and tone in this movie compared to Where's Papa, you can really attribute to sort of the Mel Brooksization of of Hollywood comedies, and certainly Carl Reiner like feeding off of that and and. And trying to make his own version of that. Am I am I crazy to think that? No, I think you're absolutely right because I mean, and this is what we were talking about, like Danny Peary saying that uh, Blazing Saddles in a way ruined Mel Brooks is that it's so not based on reality and cartoony, and uh, you know, I mean, certainly I don't think it ruined anybody because these movies are hilarious. But uh, you know, where's Papa? As we talked about on our last episode, is played so straight and works because it is the. Completely ludicrous situations are taken seriously. Yes, in this movie, everyone's playing into the comedy, which I, I don't yes. usually like as much as playing it straight and letting the comedy come from the situations that are right. happening to these realistic characters. But I'm, I, it's not to say that I don't think this film works. I think this film is pretty funny and and works really well uh, as a vehicle for Steve Martin. But it, but it is totally the opposite approach yeah. for the most part. You know, everyone's hamming yeah. it up in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. M.M. at Walsh on down. It's great, though. Yeah. I, I, it's great because then it becomes Steve's movie, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. I liked how he said, you know, it was going to be like the idiot, but not like that. Because it is that kind of innocent <laughs> yes. character again, which we talked about with Where's Papa. But in that, it's the it's the nurse who's like the innocent. And then in right. this, it's, it's, Steve, it's um, Johnson and his girlfriend who were like the two innocents. But obviously then that went on and had like a huge influence later on on things like Dumb and Dumber yeah. and sure. Kingpin yeah. and, you know, the cruder versions of those comedies. 
This rem- this reminds me of this makes me think of Steve Martin in terms of David Bowie and his screen career. It's not that David Bowie was never any good other than in Man Who Fell to Earth, but if he'd only ever made Man Who Fell to Earth, you've got it all. Yeah. Like that's his fucking yeah. movie. That's what he was made to do. And this movie feels like this is Steve Martin. This is the pure Steve Martin. And everything else that comes after just is sort of mildly and then sometimes drastically diminishing returns for him. But this this is Steve Martin's Man Who Fell to Earth. Thank you. I I could not agree more. That's really well put. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then, I mean, but I will say for the, among the hams, they are like some of the funniest people that have ever been in film, beginning with Jackie Mason as the gas station owner that Navin goes to work for. And um, Jackie Mason at that point, like, you know, I mean, he was kind of, I think, forgotten you know he wasn't around he came back weirdly later in the 80s as a broadway star um my only other exposure to him prior to uh that comeback was uh my favorite abc pilot that they burned off in the summer was called the best of times from 1981 which i've written articles about so it was like a youth show It was like a musical comedy with dramatic monologues the lead character was crispin glover as crispin and Nicolas Cage has a real big dramatic dialogue about not wanting to get drafted and have to fight in Nicaragua. Wow. But Jack, Jackie Mason <laughs> plays the owner of the convenience store where the kids all hang out. Is this on YouTube? So, Can I see this? Yes, we, oh, I will good. post this on YouTube. Yes, yeah. So was and this... That aired in 1981. So was this... Was this the beginning of the Jackie Mason comeback, or this was an isolated incident in the midst of his dark years? To me, this was an isolated incident, and then, I mean, I think that Broadway show was like 87 or something, and then he was in Caddyshack 2, and then he had his TV series that lasted very briefly with Lynn Redgrave. Um and then he was just sort of a New York curmudgeon after Wait, that. Wait, he had a he had another TV show where he was doing like a Morton Downey thing, where he was like uh, hosting oh, like really? a oh yes, he had his own Morton Downey show. But this must have been show. much later. Yeah, well, yeah, so. he did become like a big right wing guy. Yeah. yeah. He's and, great. Is the uh, the service station? Oh, he's so funny. This, yeah. so. And I looked up his wife, Lenore, is played by Sharon Johansson. Yeah, who's she? Who's the uh, October 1972 Playmate of the Month. <laughs> uh, and then let's get to... So, M. Emmett Walsh, as... The character's name is Madman. And This is the part... This the is context, the one thing of this film that comes closest to maybe Where's Papa territory of like, wow, I yeah, can't believe they're going yeah. here in a comedy. And especially... Actually, I think now well, this would play far differently. I was going to say, at the time, it was funny. Yeah. And now, M. Yeah. M. Walsh is chilling. Yes. The, the <laughs> I sound, still think it's funny. The sound, oh, it's very funny, but it really, I mean, living in America in this madhouse with, you know. Yeah, it doesn't have the same cultural resonance here, though. The, uh, to me, the sound <laughs> of the cans getting shot was terrifying. I was like, Jesus Christ, because this shit really happens now. Yeah, but then I also think... We don't have that. It's just a crazy thing. We don't don't have that here. But I think the best line in the whole movie... The best line in the whole movie is when he says, He hates these cans! (laughs) 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 But I'm also chilled and thought it was hilarious when at one point M.M. Walsh yells, Nothing matters! (laughs) (laughs) Um, I appreciate then, uh, I appreciate that that even though this movie 
by and large feels like a series of sort of unrelated gags, unrelated, yeah. you know, it sort of bounces from one 10 minute segment to the next right. that are, are really not related, but they, but there is enough craft and there's enough, you know, writing craft from Carl Reiner and from Steve Very Martin much. that they do find these transitional moments so that the, the phone, the telephone book gag where he finds his name in the phone book and is yes. freaking out does lead directly into M.M. at Walsh also pointing. Finding, which is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and they also use the M.M. at Walsh scene as the start of the whole glasses thing. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. With uh, Bill Macy. So they do find right. ways to sort of in some slight way tie all these different things together. Well, and the reason why he has to leave as well, why he leaves his sort of, I wouldn't say cushy job, because he lives in a toilet. But... <laughs> and he makes a dollar ten an hour. <laughs> yeah, he's got to go. Then he joins the carnival. Uh, and I, I never noticed this before, but uh, Frosty, the boss from the carnival, is the great Dick O'Neill from uh, the taking of Pelham 123. He was also on yes. a lot of sitcoms. Yes. He, uh, when, when Charlotte Ray was leaving the facts of life, he, he married Mrs. Garrett, Dick O'Neill's Garrett. <laughs> so, uh, did you have the facts of life, Kat, in England? No. <laughs> okay. I'm just the, sat here. There's like a whole other world out there. Well, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Facts of Life was about a boarding school uh, for girls. And I went to an all-boys high school, so I watched it <laughs> like fanatically because it was my only contact with females my age for four years. Um, so, uh, and then we were introduced to Caitlin Adams as Patty Bernstein, the uh, daredevil biker. Essentially, oh, she's makes, great. She is. She's, she's like amazing. something out of yeah. a Russ Meyer film. Yeah, she's just, very much. She's yeah. just incredible. Yeah, well, she? What I love about her is like the either the same or the next year she was in the Neil Diamond version of the Jazz Singer, That's where right. she plays like the put oh, upon God, that that? Orthodox Jew, his wife Rivka, uh, which couldn't be any further from her character. Like what a range on Catelyn Adams. <laughs> See, I've never seen that version of the Jazz oh, Singer. Yeah. But oh. That's it's directed by Richard Fleischer. Yes, yes. And he his autobiography about being in the film industry is one of my favourite film books. It is just hilarious, and the stuff the stuff he says about the jazz singer is amazing. Like they spent all this time rehearsing these Neil Diamond songs. And I think Sir John Gilgood was there. He could only be there at a certain time because he was old. Um, and they were trying to get this concert filmed, and then Neil Diamond comes on, just starts doing something completely different and he's just right. like what the fuck are you doing like they'd spent ages planning it out and it was just a total nightmare and I keep meaning to watch it because oh, after, I've got, I've to. got, got to, to watch to. this film yeah. because he and he had like a great sense of humor about it because it was just a fucking nightmare for him to you know yeah to deal with this and I think Sir John Gilgood like had to stop at 5 p.m. and um, <laughs> <laughs> just all this awful Is stuff. Gilgood in that movie? Olivier. No, it's, I think it's Lawrence Olivier. No, it's yeah. Olivier. That's yeah. it. But Lawrence isn't he like, yeah. he must be, he's really old at oh, that yeah. point. Oh, there was yeah. some oh, caveat <laughs> in his uh, contract that he had to stop. So they had him in a crowd scene, so they just have to film his face reacting to nothing and <laughs> stuff like that because he's like, i got to go. And then Neil Diamond's just doing whatever he wants. And he's just like, what the fuck are you doing, Neil? Like, we've literally just spent all this time choreographing you and... 
it's just like, wow, I didn't feel like it. I just <laughs> also features blackface in the first five minutes. No way. Yeah. And, and oh, my and, God. And Olivier doing this orthodox Jewish character, which oh. is like the poster child for any anti-Semitic organization that you'd <laughs> ever want to do. It. It, would be, it would be perfectly at home. To, in, I've got to see it now. It's every bit as cartoonish <laughs> as, the, as the racial stereotypes and the jerk, which I actually think are so fantastically over the top that they work right, fine right. in the jerk. Yeah, He's got that totally. scene where the three Latinos come up in the car and they're trying to rip them off. They've got the credit right. card that's got Mrs. Nussbaum Mrs. on Nussbaum. it. Mrs. Nussbaum. But, yeah. but, but he's like, okay, Mrs. Nussbaum. Uh, but one of them is literally dressed as Zorro. And then the other one has got the full like gang, street gang costume on. And then the yeah. guy in the backseat, I guess, is like a pimp. I don't know. But it's like every perfect like Latino stereotype yeah. in one car. And they're all sort of hanging right. together. Like I love right. that the guy's dressed as Zorro. That is the best. And of course, the joke is how stupid the idea is that these yeah. stereotypes would be existing and together in this car. Yes. So, um, yeah, so Caitlin Adams, uh, just an interesting thing. So she uh, she wrote and directed a comedy called Sticky Fingers with Melanie Mayron and Helen Supergirl Slater, yeah. which I've never seen, but quite a cast. Shirley Stoller, Carol Kane, Eileen Brennan, Christopher Guest, and Denitra Vance from Saturday Night Live. Interested to see it now. Didn't realize yeah. that it was the uh, auteur work of uh, Patty Bernstein. <laughs> yeah, she didn't do a lot of acting. She switched no. over to directing and uh, never yeah. looked back. And then, of course, we are introduced to Bernadette Peters, who just is so beautiful and so of the moment. And uh, But also dressed like Catherine Hepburn in The African right, Queen. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> which was a big part of her persona, though, because, you know, she was like a throwback to the screwball comedies, like a human embodiment of that. Um, mm-hmm. She got famous from a Broadway show, an off-Broadway show called Dames at Sea, which was like a uh, parody of old Hollywood musicals. Uh, very 70s, very uh, kitschy and funny. And, uh, you know, she really embodies that whole thought and uh they were a couple in real life of course their chemistry is great their romance is as charming as any romance you'll ever see and uh well, the romantic elements in the jerk are wonderful yeah but then bernadette peters is just wonderful like annie was like a huge part of my childhood and yeah. in that she's incredible i think when you look back at that film now and you realize how dark it is for a kids film people remember the sickly songs but it's you know you've got child abuse alcohol abuse <laughs> you've got you know um and they remade that recently apparently with oh, a yes, multi-racial yeah. cast and everybody's nice in it and it's like hang on this isn't Annie's supposed to be scuzzy and yeah. you know was that so a that popular was, film in England because that bombed in America Annie was huge and right. I was obsessed with it so I must have seen the joke uh, the joke the jerk not long <laughs> after yeah. sure. after Annie I must have seen them within a year or so apart so I knew right. Bernadette Peters was from Annie but it was huge here and, um, and I think huge in Australia as well, because my friend and colleague Lee Gambin, who's an Australian, oh, like, he's, obsa- yeah. he's obsessed with Annie as well. well I think it was big in, I think it was big in Australia as well. Same Definitely story here. with uh, Bugsy Malone. Bugsy oh, Malone Bob as well. Bob here, giant Massive. in England and Australia. Yeah. We just like really kind of dark kids things. I think. Right. 
Bernadette Peters was much like Barbara Streisand for me, where she was just this sure. known entity from as far back as I can remember. Sure. Like there never yeah. seemed to be a time where I didn't know Bernadette Peters. But for some reason, I always pegged her as Jewish and her ethnicity. But what I found out this week is that she's actually Italian. What? And her last, yeah, her yeah, last name Italian. is. Uh, I had no idea. Something with a V, like a Verona. I can't or remember her name, but yeah. she, yeah, obviously Bernadette Peters isn't her name. Right, she's right. an Italian name, which she, another one who had to kind of mask her. Yeah. Well, how about that? Ethnicity to, you know, be more acceptable to show yeah. business. Can I admit something here? I feel like I would be totally down with trying. I don't think there's there's nothing there's nothing that sounds unappealing to me about a cup of pizza. Like I would totally try a oh, cup of pizza. Oh, that's the first thing I thought today. Yeah, in my <laughs> fat fifties. <laughs> cup of pizza. I was like, why don't they have that? Yeah, they have a thing here in Chicago called taco in a bag. Right. I'm sure that they. I'll tell you what they do. Good. You know, at the at all these Wisconsin fairs every summer, they have the craziest things. Yes, like butter, butter on a stick. Like they right. dip a stick of butter into batter and then they fry it. Yeah, I'm sure there's like a pizza version. It's like a butter covered pizza. There's got to be fried pizza. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fried pizza. Oh, there is fried pizza. I've had fried pizza at actual restaurants here in, in wow. Wisconsin. Wow, so American. Yeah, yeah. Like, you jealous? So American. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the downside is that you have like public shootings. The upside <laughs> yeah, is you yeah. get to eat fried butter yeah. on your fried pizza. Yeah, so rampant COVID. The, that's right. <laughs> the president being who he is. Yeah. Uh, I always forget about the kid's bullshit shirt, which really cracked oh. me up when I just rewatched it. Yeah. I totally forgot. And then it just reminded It made me think about Santa. Bad Santa, yes. The yeah. shit happens when you party naked. Yeah. <laughs> but I missed this. I, I guess I don't understand. I, I, I totally didn't listen to this part. Who is that kid to her in this movie? She's babysitting. She's, oh, yeah, okay. it's just yeah. like a friend's yeah. kid. She doesn't say. It's just okay. a... Yeah. Yeah. He, he surplus the requirements then after the city train chase. Right. Again, it's a weird combination of her dressed the way she is and that kid in that bullshit shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way she comes up to him as well and says, have yeah. you seen the kid with like blonde the hair bullshit. who's wearing a bullshit <laughs> teacher? I also <laughs> read... this really sweet, innocent sort of yeah. character. I also read that the theatrical, original theatrical release had a different scene for the introduction of her. Yeah. And it's something to do with Steve Martin crashing through a whole bunch of miniature buildings that are set up by that train like Godzilla so I must have seen that but I don't I don't know why they cut it wow. they said something about like it seemed too much like Godzilla I don't know but apparently that the, 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 the original version of Bernadette Peters introduction is lost to wow. time or, or maybe it's available as a bonus feature I don't know I first saw this on ABC on television then I have seen it several times in the theater since then but uh, I don't recall that scene at all so, uh, yeah, Navin uh, inadvertently invents, um, or advertently, and inadvertently becomes rich by inventing the uh, grip device for your eyeglasses and uh, sells it to Bill Macy. I love the, what's the way that Bill Macy describes it? Oh, he says it's opti, opti grab, opti from the eye and grab from where you grab it. <laughs> That's a great line. I also love Bill Macy going, I sell shit like this. I got a lot of shit in my truck to sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and this, of course, backfired. I mean, it becomes fabulously rich. And the big gag that almost killed me as a child was the spinning head when he gets the $250,000 check. Still amazing. Still, still well, a great gag. For me, it's the snails. <laughs> oh, yeah. The snail scene. Yeah. <laughs> Get these snails off of it. <laughs> I love the visual gag where he's naked and he's got the dogs covering him in front yes, and he grabs yes, the other one yeah. to cover his butt. Oh, that was... Yeah. But the one, the visual gag that made me laugh the hardest watching it this week was uh, something I had no memory of, which is that... He when he gets dressed up and he's all fancy, he's got the money. Then they cut to Shithead, who also has the matching stovepipe and the feather right. cap and the <laughs> yes, sunglasses. Yes. That made me laugh hard. The, yeah. the dog. By the way, I couldn't find a credit for dog trainer, and I was wondering if Frank In of Benji fame uh, oh, was the guy wonder. responsible yeah. for this because that was a pretty good job that Shithead did. Yeah, especially that scene <laughs> where Steve ass. Martin's has yeah. to like pull him down the street and he doesn't want to go with him. Right, and he's, right. Like, he's fighting him. Out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a good performance. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, of course, when this came out, the kids in my class that were allowed to see it, I grilled them on it. That was the big takeaway for every kid was the dog named Shithead. Yeah. <laughs> on TV, they called him stupid. Of course. Oh. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> see, it's uh, perfect as that whole kind of anti-American dream yes. metaphor as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's not just silliness for the sake of it. It's like this innocent person is corrupted by many. Yes. And the whole kind of heartbreak is that she, that his girlfriend, Marie, just wants him back to how he was because he loses his, he becomes arrogant and right. rude to people and kind of, He becomes of, a very know, different kind of jerk. Yeah. yeah, he actually becomes yeah. the jerk. The and jerk, I just think, right. you know, it made just at the cusp of the 80s when we saw that whole slew of, well, the films that we love to talk about, Mike, like the, the Brat Pack films and this kind yeah. of fetishizing the of aspirational, wealth. Uh, and comedies, yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of totally, obviously not tonally, but Herzog's uh, Strosseck. From yeah. a couple of years ago, <laughs> yeah, which totally is again like I a very innocent. It. Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful I'm film. Sorry, it's, I didn't um, see it. Yeah. Oh my god! They wind up in is... Wisconsin. That film, the, oh, end, the, the oh, whole really? last part is of that, that film was Wisconsin. Up? Yeah, where they're in that little like amusement park. That's Wisconsin. It's it's funny, but it's also very bleak and depressing. So tonally, it's very different to the joke. But is this this uh, very innocent character? He's German. He he hooks up with this prostitute, and they go to America to find this new life. And just you know, it's just well, it's Herzog. So it's like this existential kind of you know everything goes wrong. But it kind of reminds me of uh, like on the same spiritual pain is the the criticism that's in the jerk that's underneath obviously with Herzog the criticism is top like front and center although he's always said oh I don't hate America I don't know why people think I hate America (laughs) but it's like a damning sort of portrait of the American dream Mm. and uh and whereas the jerk, it's the same thing, and it's coming right on the cusp of the 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 whole decade of like yeah. decadence and wealth. The go-go eighties, yes. 
the just the these horrible middle class films about you know you need to become marry a Wall Street banker or become a Wall yeah. Street banker you know and it's like so against that you know at the just quickly jogging ahead to the end you know when he ends back in his family home right. just having this simple life and nothing's changed is the happy ending sure you yeah. know and and it's the way you expect them to have a mansion and right. they haven't because right. they don't need a mansion right. Right. because right. they're perfectly happy it's like oh they knock the old house down and you expect them to have all this wealth and actually no because they were perfectly happy as they were and like so it is like a truly a happy ending yeah. whereas I'm sure there were people thinking oh you know why didn't he get his mansion back and why didn't he you know and that's not the point and I love the ending because like, it's really subversive when you think about it because right. you know they're supposed to have the fairy they've got that nice car so yeah. you think oh they can have like this and they haven't and it's just like that's just lovely yeah and it does bring to mind in this talking about this it brings to mind the end of back to the future which uh was a movie i i really i still enjoy it quite a bit i loved it at the time i honest to god was chilled by that ending when i was whatever 15 16 years old it came out <laughs> when they get the the well, the, the family's problems are solved because they have money and they're these yuppies and they and they can humiliate the old bully and make him wash the car and and Crispin Glover to invoke him again famously, you know, uh, complained about it in public and then walked you know would not participate. And the man's not fat yeah. anymore. And right? So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like because I they had this material success, and I do yeah. love the movie. I do. I love everything about it because. From Star Wars onward, it's the only one of those fucking movies that has any sex in it. <laughs> yeah. See, I loved it. I when I in mid eighties, I was like eleven when that came out, and right. I really fetishized American culture because we were right. seeing it for the first time in the in Britain, and it was such an American film. Like, I had sure. the whole fifties yeah. thing and the yeah. rock and roll. Uh, but looking at the ending later on, yeah. I just thought that's a bit of a shitty ending, really, isn't it? Because it is yeah. secretly got that aspirational you uh, need to be it's, rich it's, it's, <laughs> message it, in it and it was in everything it jarred me and I have to say that and um, and again I was 16 I was a fucking nightmare I was an asshole but still <laughs> I had this weird conscience the Chuck Berry thing struck me as weird I was like that's fucked up like why didn't he say this is your cousin Marvin Berry Chuck the style you play is so popular white boys are doing it and I thought this at the time and then I was completely chilled by that yuppie ending. But, uh, you know, I don't know what that makes me. <laughs> so. I, uh, I, I, I misspoke before because really the darkest part of this movie is not the M.M. at Walsh thing. It's, it's what happens after he gets rich and he hires a butler and a maid. First of all, I find it, I love that Maurice Evans from the Planet of the Apes movies is in this movie as yes, his butler. Yes, his last film, yes. I love that at first they're living with him in his dump and they seem completely at right. home like they've been hanging out with him for <laughs> yes. a while yeah. they were like all in their pajamas and he's answering the door yeah. but then they cut to the mansion and there's that shit where they're where they put the maid in front of the firing squad because she did she, yeah. she stole yes. something yeah. that's the darkest three minutes in this movie and that's an incredibly yeah. dark <laughs> moment in this movie yes that's the clearest yeah. connection to Where's Papa's Darkness is that. I would and, agree, and, yeah. and, and the most scathing sort of commentary about 
Yeah, and isn't she like? Isn't she being executed for taking withdrawal, making the withdrawal early? Oh, we'll make yes. Yes. So it's like it's a criticism of the banks. Yes, it is. And 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 the and Maurice Evans is like, well, yeah, federal law, federal law, stretches it off. So there is like a huge kind of anti-capitalist yes, sort of sentiment totally. in this yeah. Yeah. that you don't really see. Yeah. You don't really see that in the man with two brains. No, um, that's just more silly. I mean, hilariously so, but yeah. I also um, love the water coolers that have the white wine and the red the wine, wine in them. Yeah, that is yeah. great. <laughs> I love that Carl Gottlieb has a cameo as Iron Balls McGinty. I love that name. Which is hilarious, yeah. <laughs> I love the Let's cat juggling thing. Let's talk about Carl Gottlieb for a second. Okay, sure. Um, so uh, he met Steve Martin when they were both writing for the Smothers Brothers, which was a great subversive uh, sketch comedy show in the late 60s. Um, then he co-wrote the screenplays for Jaws, Jaws 2, Jaws 3D, and the okay. best-selling book about the making of Jaws, The Jaws Log. Which I read, by the way, at the time. Oh, well, well, well. He directed the Ringo Starr movie Caveman. Happy birthday, Ringo, this week, by the way. That was the first movie I ever rented on VHS. And uh, he also directed episodes of the Dreadful Animal House sitcom spinoff called Delta House. Oh, God. And oddly, um, so the other writer, uh, Michael Elias, or Elias, um, he created... A sitcom, an Animal House sitcom ripoff called Coed Fever, that aired once <laughs> after the Super Bowl, and I saw it. Yeah, we didn't have those here. <laughs> no, <laughs> and no, surprisingly. no, no, no. They, they were they were terrible and, and didn't last very long. I mean, the one literally was one and done. Coed Fever. So I love this thing about American television. It's just like this sort of do or die approach, where like here, because obviously we had the BBC for right you know decades and everything would be carefully planned right and you know a series would come out and they'd run it till the end and it would all be but in america they just seem to be like oh let's stick this pilot on let's try this oh let's have the oh we'll show three episodes of that no that didn't work here's another 10 series on that idea a few just this total kind of blase approach about yeah, it's just about TV throwing. It's an sh- insane yeah. approach. It's like no, no planning. They're just throwing everything out. Throw shit at the wall, see what yeah. sticks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's uh, you know that's that's successful. Yeah, let's make yeah. like five years worth of that. Oh, people yeah. aren't watching it. Let's just stop in the middle of the season or whatever. That's no, they'd never right. do that here. And while always, we talk talk about TV in 1984. There was a television movie called The Jerk, comma, 2, T-O-O. Now, I've read about this. Um, it's on YouTube. I watched a good chunk of it. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's dreadful. It's awful. But, Who's the star uh, It was it? a pilot for Mark Blankfield from Fridays. Oh, jeez. So, Friday. <laughs> what's a funny guy? So, Fridays was ABC's attempt to create its own Saturday Night Live in 1980. And, um... It's it's available uh, on Amazon Prime, and you can see it. A lot of it is great, and Larry David and Michael Richards both came out of there, and a lot of the uh, background players on Seinfeld, Bruce Mahler, who plays the rabbi on Seinfeld. Um, it's very new wave. It's very cool looking. They had the, the Clash were on it. The uh, Kiss was on it. 
um devo was on it they had a lot of really cool bands on there and um but one of the breakout characters was this uh pharmacist that took too many drugs and that was played by mark blankfield and that character even got his own movie to an effect called jekyll and hyde together again which is terrible i mean it's him doing the pharmacist character (laughs) as dr jekyll (laughs) and ironically it's all about like he invents like this super cocaine and it's like the most coked out movie you could ever imagine so not ironically i guess expectedly wow wow so he was in the jerk too (laughs) along with stacy nelkin Oh, and Stacey is it um, came from yeah. Halloween three? Yes, but yes. Uh, does his character? I mean, is he playing Naven? He's Naven. Yes. Oh, okay. And he's been through That's all just this. Rude. Yes, yes. You yeah. can't have another yeah. Naven. Yeah. No, it does not work. Yeah. Does Steve Martin have to consent to this? I mean, you he know. executive produced. Oh, boy. Good I was grief. Say, he also he <laughs> produced a lot of shitty TV in the eight, the mid eighties. Uh, George Burns Comedy Week. I, I saw all of these things, by the way, which was a weekly like anthology show. Uh, Domestic Life with Martin Mull, who was a brilliant guy. And this was just a standard crappy sitcom. And Leo and Liz in Beverly Hills with uh, Harvey Corman and Valerie Perrine, directed by Carl Gottlieb, by the way. So, wow, we. Wow, it's a, so that Hollywood is so incestuous. Yeah, such yeah. a circle jerk. Holy yeah. mackerel! Speaking of which, did, does this is this movie is pre Mr. T? Do you think Mr. T was inspired by this with all the gold chains that Naven wears? <laughs> like when he gets it, That's, it was a total Mr. T look, and I had to go look to see when Mr. T appeared on the scene, and he was yeah, a couple. He's a, a couple years Mr. away, T look, yeah. isn't it? Now, Mr. T, if you remember, he came up through the Tough Man contest. On right, Wide but World even that Tough Man yeah. thing was like 82 or 84 yeah. or something like that. Oh, was that late? Yeah. 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 Rocky well, three was, was 82. So. When was oh, the 18? Okay. 18 was 83. Rocky two. Rocky three was 82. That's when he was Clubber Lang. So, so the Tough nowhere. Man thing might have been 80 or 81. I can't remember. But it, it might have been 80, tough. 81. Yeah. I remember him on that. That was cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the jerk, we've learned the lesson. Uh, we should acknowledge the big N-bomb that kicks off the Kung Fu movie parody that's completely amazing. <laughs> and, oh, the, the N-bomb scene is amazing. Yes, yeah. It is just... <laughs> and I will admit now that I have never seen Pennies from Heaven. I've seen the. I've seen the British... The Dennis Potter. I was yeah. going to say, I'm a huge fan of Dennis Potter, which was the, the other detective. thing yeah. that I was exposed to as a kid because this was my dad was watching Dennis Potter adaptations. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and when I look back now, that was probably really inappropriate, but I I prefer the, the Bob Hoskins uh, BBC Pennies mm-hmm. from Heaven of, uh, than the film. So, and I didn't really like the American version of Singing Detective either. No, oh, no, I they're didn't both, even watch they're both that. They're both garbage. Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I say that having not watched. Oh, no. <laughs> but also, um, I forgot, I don't think I ever knew until this viewing of The Jerk that Rob Reiner has a cameo. He plays the truck driver who picks up Naven in front of his house at the beginning and then drives him to the end of the fence, which yeah. is a, a very funny line yes yeah and uh and a very funny tiny little cameo by rob reiner i want to say that rob reiner's two best funniest 
screen film appearances are in his dad's <laughs> movies. Are this and where's Papa? It could be. Is Rob yeah. Reiner, what other movies was Rob Reiner? Fire in? Sale, which is a movie that I've never seen, directed by Alan Arkin, that we huh. have to watch and examine. Is Rob Reiner the star of that He's movie? He's the star along with Alan Arkin. Oh my yeah. God. Wow. Yeah. Fire That's from like 78. Yeah. I don't huh. think it came out. I think yeah. I think it was buried. <laughs> Well, that sounds but weird. I remember it got, it got like when when Rob Reiner was on Battle. I'm sorry, Kat, to treat you to all this American TV talk. Yeah, I'm just like, what is this strange <laughs> world that you live in? So we had this thing, <laughs> Battle of the Network Stars, where all the TV stars would play like summer camp sports against each other, and uh, That's Rob so Reiner was American. on that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Seems to me I've said this all the way through. This That's yes, so American. Yes. And Did the whole point was to get sticks there. What's that? Did they eat fried butter on sticks there, though? <laughs> we hadn't innovated that at that and point. And cups but. of pizza. Yeah. Well, this is like for us when that, what was that Ricky Gervais show? Was it Extras? Where he winds up on a sitcom, like a British sitcom, yes. where he has a yeah. catch line. Like that stuff goes over our heads in the same yeah. exact way. See, it's like, really, huh? Extras is amazing because the people in it are playing characters completely against how they are in real life. Oh. And uh, yeah, it doesn't. But then you, you didn't really get our version of The Office either. You had to... Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah, no, we did it. It caught on here. <laughs> and, I and, couldn't and watch the American version. No, I, I couldn't just, either. Because oh. yeah, no, we had the British Office before the American yeah. one arrived, and I, oh, I, I didn't know you. I would, oh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. watch. Oh, yeah. No, it was a very popular. Uh, it started as just sort of a word of mouth thing, traded around DVDs, and then. Yeah, no, oh, it's wow. ingrained in the I culture. Could, yeah. I saw the American one. It's all like I'm making a joke now. It's all like that. And it's just like, what the hell? That's not the point. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to think, am I watching a documentary? What is this? Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the other, the other right. smart thing that the British uh, television shows do is they just do a smaller number. They plan out how many they're going to do, and that's it. Yeah. Well, we don't do this whole kind of throwing things at the wall to see exactly, what Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and just let it keep going forever, yeah. I think everyone we've mentioned on this, you're like, yeah, they're in these 10 pilots, or they yeah. like directed <laughs> these 55 TV shows that no yeah. one's... <laughs> you know... It's, it's a crazy, crazy. Well, I suppose you've had loads more TV channels than us. Like we had, I think in in 1979 we had three. Right, right. And well, that so, was us too. <laughs> so well, we, we didn't six. have cable. Yeah. Well, six would have seemed like you know. Yeah, heaven, I remember yeah, when we got yeah. Channel Four in the mid 80s, and right. we sat there waiting for it to begin because it was a fourth <laughs> TV channel. We had like this countdown thing going, and we right. were there when it launched, and it was like. My God, we got four whole channels to And then it was a really cool channel, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really amazing. Yeah, it was in, awesome. Uh, yeah. in, in the It's not now. Yeah. It's a reality TV channel. Well, that's funny because I saw Singing Detective on A&E, our arts and entertainment, which was our highbrow cable channel. And now that's nothing but reality TV stuff. So. Yeah, Channel 4's like that. Channel 4 in the 90s showed things like Flash with Frankenstein, wow. uh, documentaries on Jess Franco and all these like European cult directors, extreme Asian film. Like It was wow. incredible. And now it's like, you know, there's something where the Bake Off, the celebrity... Oh, Big Brother started on Channel 4. Oh, really? And then wow. Celebrity Big Brother. So it's, it's absolute bullshit. Uh, but we still don't get... We still don't get, like, 25 different pilots every summer that compete. Yeah. 
you know, they decide what they're going to make and they make six episodes. I don't episodes. think we do anymore either. I guess we do. But Mike, no. wasn't Singing Detective on PBS at first? Wasn't the first run of Singing Detective uh, It might have been, but I saw it on A&E in yeah, the late you're, 80s. You're a youngster. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so do you guys want to hear? Cat, because, oh, yeah, uh, yes, before I say no, this, go ahead. I really thought, like, I was like, we got to get Cat. She's so British. She's so English. It's going to be funny. To, like, here we are, like, these two ethnics from Brooklyn in the 70s. Like, where's Papa is such our movie. But the really weirdly alien American movie is The Jerk, it turned out, so. Yeah. Well, no, not really, no. I think the the humor kind of carries over, because oh, it's yeah, very yeah. physical But it's all humor. the details that are around It's all it, the guess, weird yeah. connections to this yeah. whole world that seems like another <laughs> planet to me. <laughs> you know, because we didn't get, like... Um, Obviously, we got Saturday Night Live when we got cable, so we'd get right. snippets of it. Right. Uh, but before that, where, where would it have aired? You know, we had, right. on BBC One, it wasn't going right. to... You know, we were still... 79, people were still watching bloody Benny Hill and Jim Davison and weird racist right. kind right. of <laughs> and, and, and spin-offs from sitcoms. You know, we, we didn't... You know, we weren't quite there yet in terms of edgy... I'm not sure how... How the British public would have dealt with something like Saturday Night Live at the time. It would have just been seen as too crazy. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, this is what happened. 79 is like the beginning of the end. Well, for me, I mean, but it's like the, what it is the beginning of, of American comedy films being taken over by American comedy TV, by SNL and SCTV and then all these other things like, uh, you know, that they, every everyone took their characters from from SNL and SCTV skits or or not their characters but just their names and and got movies made out of them right and and we've been there ever since we're still yeah. there yeah. we are still fucking there <laughs> and mike's see, I, mike's, I mike's strangely really okay with it i'm out of my fucking mind over it <laughs> see i find it really fascinating because while comedy came from a completely different place but then a couple of years later we'd get our sort of revolution with people like rick may or sure people like adrian edmondson oh, the Jesus. young ones and all that and that very cruel sort of physical comedy right. so we i think that's why the jerk I know a lot of British people who are around my age have a lot of affection for the jerk. I think we were ready for it. And and we didn't quite have it uh, on our own TV. I don't know what year comic strips started, actually. Might have been 1980, I'm not sure. But we weren't quite there yet, but there was the audience for it. Because right. all the other comedies that we were seeing on TV, they were like the sort of stuff your grandparents laughed at. Right. And it was all... It wasn't particularly funny obviously there were things like steptoe and some were right. hilarious but i didn't appreciate that till i was much older and actually understood what it was about so but johnny no, rotten's favorite show so it's yeah, perverse it's yeah. just sublimely perverse uh, but as a kid i didn't really understand it but something like the jerk Right. I could understand, oh, sure, or yeah. you know, something like the man with two brains. I could understand, but but on the other hand, over here, what I was into, and I think Mike was too. We were, I mean, there was nothing. We had never seen anything funnier, and we were completely obsessed at the end of the seventies and through the eighties with with Monty Python and then Faulty yeah. Towers. Yes, that's what we were watching. Yeah, that's oh, that's yeah, what I was watching like, anyway. Yeah, obviously, yeah. I'm saying we did have Faulty Towers yeah. and we did have Python. Uh, so, do we want to run through the other movies, Ben? 
Yeah, let's let's run through what I what was playing on Friday, December fourteenth, nineteen seventy nine, when the jerk arrived. Um, this part and so feels here, like a game show. It is. <laughs> it is. We all win, though. You got to have some kind of hook. So here's a movie that was shit on at the time, but God, I wish, I wish that this had been like this. This ended up being, I feel like, the best of the next ten years of comedies that came out because uh, of of Saturday Night Live and SCTV. Uh, Steven Spielberg's 1941 <laughs> arrived on the scene. Uh, the same day. It actually was released the same day as the jerk. Oh, wow. How do you like them apples? L- loved it at the time. Uh, fell out of my chair laughing at it. Uh, I still, loved still, it. Still, still like uh, at it. The t- yeah. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, yeah. though. I haven't seen it two since words. I was a kid. <laughs> Just two words. It explains it all. Eddie Deason. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> That's the guy who's on the Ferris wheel with them. Who else the is on that guy, Ferris yeah. wheel with them? Uh, yeah, but who else is on that? Oh, it's it Murray Hamilton, guy. right, Murray, from Jaws. I think so. It's an older guy. I can't think. I can picture him. They're on the first. I think it's Murray together. Hamilton. Yeah. I think it's Murray fucking Hamilton. Mm. Um, Star Trek, the motion picture, Terrible. has a two-page spread. Two-page spread. In, in, Terrible. In, uh, the New York Love Times Star Trek. Day. Love a bunch of the movies. Hated that movie. Uh, I, yeah. I have mixed emotions about that movie. I love how fucked up it is and how non-Star Trek it is. Such a weird... I went to see that um, with eight people. Seven of them fell asleep at one point. I was the only yeah. one awake. That's impressive, yeah, actually. At the Midwood Theater. Uh, yes. Bette Midler and Alan Bates in The Rose. A movie I've never seen. Oh, good movie. Good movie. I haven't yeah. seen that one, actually. I love oh, Alan the Rose. Bates yeah, as well. It's great, yeah. Also with Frederick Forrest. With Frederick Forrest, yeah. Harry Dean uh, Stanton. Uh, a Claude Lelouch film that I have not seen, Robert A. Robert. Robert A. Robert. Anyone seen that one? No. No. It's a charming comedy, according to the uh, pull quote. Um, a full page ad for Steve Martin in The Jerk. Get this. Huge. So it's got Steve Martin above the title. Uh, a rags to riches to rag story. Right. Uh, and also, it's got two. It's got two taglines. It's got that, and it's also got he was a poor black sharecropper's son who never dreamed he was adopted, which is interesting to me because one thing I was going to say is uh, my memory of this movie until I saw it this week was that his adoption goes untalked about and unexplained. In my mind, he he is in this family, and it's never explained how it is that he's part of this black family. But it, it is explained, and I don't know. But I came away from that movie. But anyway, right below the title, there's three more cast members in huge letters. You know, not just the typical, like, size of everyone else in the cast. Bernadette Peters, which, okay. Catelyn Adams, like, why? And then Jackie Mason. So he was at least something of a name. And some heat. Yeah. Had a little bit of heat. But so did Catelyn Adams. So who the fuck knows what he meant back in those days? Uh, oh, but by the way, I think she's fantastic, and she's like sort she's of like great. the yeah. revelation to me watching it this week. It's like, yeah. oh god, she's so funny. She's taking it so seriously. Um, uh, All that jazz with Roy Scheider was playing. Good movie. Uh, here's a movie I loved as a kid. And uh, by the way, I think uh, everything that I've seen, I saw in a the theater at this time. So I definitely saw all that jazz in a theater. Uh, wow. Then this movie, oh yeah, fuck it, man. 
uh, I was going. This was me. This was me at peak movie going time. Um, Al Pacino in and Justice for All. What a what a classic. Good movie. Schlocky. Yeah. yeah. Always liked it's it. That, Always felt classy that. watching it on TV. Yeah. You're out of order. <laughs> yeah. Um Animal House started right, today. Movie. Oh, it says oh it's a it was a re-release yeah. and it, For it says guess who's back. And it's yes. got everyone stand it's got the cartoons of them, but they're standing with their the, backs yeah. to the Belushi's looking over his shoulder. Viewer. I know that poster. Yes. Yeah. Now this must have been because of the jerk, but there was a re-release at two theaters of Where's Papa. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. At the D.W. Griffith and the Quad Cinema. Oh yes. Here's a movie that I must have seen because I was seeing everything, but I can't remember a fucking thing about it. Neil Simon's Chapter Two with James Caan and Marsha Mason. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. Oh, I think I've seen that. Also with Valerie Harper and yes. Joseph Bologna. Yes, I saw that. Uh, Joseph Losey's film version of Don Giovanni, the opera. Never saw it. Anybody ever seen that? Yes. I love Joseph Losey, so. Um, the we Marriage of Maria Braun. I've seen that. Fassbinder. Yes. Yeah. Classic. What were you saying about Weird Double Bill? I was going to say, make a weird double bill. Don Giovanni would make a weird double bill with the jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Blake Edwards' movie 10 was in theaters. Oh, certainly uh, saw that. A movie that I think I get confused with the movie we've been talking about on and off for the last month, The End. This movie is Starting Over with Burt Reynolds, Jill Oh, that's Clayburg, a very different Burke. movie, yes. Yeah. I know, right? But that was uh, the one Burt was like sort of campaigning to get nominated for an Oscar and didn't get nominated. He was bitter about <laughs> oh, it. It's a shame. <laughs> um, at the two dollar theater, which is interesting to me because there's in, in Madison now there's a three dollar theater. So right. so second run movie theaters haven't really gone up in price very much since 1979. Uh, but at the two dollar theater, it was when a stranger calls. Which a movie, that's a movie I never saw and caught a little bit of on streaming not too long ago and was sort of uh, surprised about it. I I saw it on TV, was taken aback because it's like this short film, which apparently was based on a college film. It's this little horror movie. And then it's like this drama and there's like Charles Durning is romancing Colleen Dewhurst. Yeah. 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 Uh, then United Artists took out a whole half page of the New York Times to have the United Artists Weekend Entertainment Guide, where they were advertising all their movies. So we had Apocalypse Now. All right. Um, a re-release of Fiddler on the Roof. One of my favorites. Uh, a, one of the first movies I ever a, saw in a theater. Oh, really? Yes. I never saw that in a theater. Oh, I saw it, we saw it on Christmas two years ago at the Music Box. It was great. Uh, a return engagement of Manhattan. Uh, Manhattan. Masterpiece, yes. Uh, the Black Stallion. Good movie. Eighth hilarious month for Lacajo Faux at the 68th Street huh. Playhouse. Eighth hilarious month. That's when movies used to play for eight yeah, months that straight. that thing ran for years, yeah. Uh, something called... Do I know this movie? Is this, what's his name? Head Over Heels. What's Head Over Heels? That is Chilly Scenes of Winter. That's the original version oh, okay. of Chilly Scenes That's of Winter. Oh, okay. That's what I yes. thought. Right. Yeah. 
And a movie that, man, this movie, another movie that played for years and years and now nobody ever even pretends they've ever even heard of it. King of Hearts. Yeah. Alan Bates. One of of the biggest cult movies of the 70s completely (laughs) erased from the memory. Probably for good reason. I did. My grandparents took me to see it. What is it? He gets let out of a mental institution I've in the middle of a war. And, oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, you, it feels like you must go see it. I have to. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hole in my soul. <laughs> yeah. All right. And that's it. That's All right. We've done it. This was an epic undertaking. Ooh. Back to back. So, my, Two epics for the price of one. That's right. For all you podcasters out there, if you're looking for a guest, ask for Kat Ellinger because anytime she comes on, you'll wind up with two episodes That's when right. you only booked yeah. it for one. It's a, you get two for the price of one. Two uh, cats and, for the price and our of one. price that we pay is no money. So, yeah. And listen well, to Busted Guts, which uh, episode two just recently dropped. Fantastic show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. With 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 a wonderful uh, discussion of. Um, uh, Three dead teenager movies. Yes. Uh, Lord Love a Duck, which I saw because of the podcast and thought was fantastic. Uh, Massacre at Central High, which I used to love and hadn't seen forever and need to catch up it's great. with. Um, and Heathers, great. which is a movie that I tried to... I, didn't, I actually haven't heard the part of the podcast where you guys talk about Heathers, but I watched it not too long ago. I don't think like, we oh, said that much about Heathers, did we? We were mainly we talking about yeah. kids today. Yeah, yeah. But we talked about Heather's a lot. Oh, yeah, I was did. very, very impressed by it, having watched it again recently. I know you love the fact that it's Westerberg High. Oh, that's I know, right. Mike, that's a special <laughs> meeting for you. <laughs> but, when I um, heard that, I said, color me impressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, this I've enjoyed this, this was very great. much. Thank you and so I think much, Kat. That our Thank listeners you. are going to love you. Kat, you were so fantastic. Great. What a so superstar great. you are. We got two episodes, so... Uh, and Dr. Saperstein, yes. always a pleasure. <laughs> Dr. Saperstein playing the role of Zelda this week. Is, um, wait, is Maurice Evans also in um, Rosemary's Baby? I don't know. Yes. Offhand. Maurice Evans is, 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 is her friend oh, yeah, who yeah, they yeah, killed. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Not to give away too much of a sport. God bless Maurice Evans. <laughs> Uh, on that note. 